I'm Bryce Merriweather. I'm Jesse Warner. And we are What's the Play Podcast. And today, we are going to bring on Aaliyah Dua to talk about her business, Financial Revolution. She's going to talk to us about financial literacy, um, the generational wealth gap, and how she's planning to help people and change her life as well. In Brooklyn, New York, Aaliyah Dua became the founder of Financial Revolution, where she witnessed many people, including herself, make poor financial decisions due to lack of knowledge. Rather than relying on others to break the generational curse, though, she wanted to provide a platform for people in the black community to learn about financial literacy and the concept of generational wealth. Aaliyah began using her social media platforms to educate others about basic financial literacy terms and concepts, prompting her to establish an official page. She's also a fall 2021 initiate of the Alpha Eta chapter of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Wait, where did you find that? <laughs> you do our research. Uh, okay, research. I'm like, wait, uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning. So what was your upbringing like in New York? Um, it was pretty cool. I always say, you know, growing up in Brooklyn is a great experience. You experience, a, you know, a bit of different worlds, right? You can go down the block, you see some, you know, some, some weird stuff going on. You go down the other block, you see wealth. So it's just, like, really interesting. So um, growing up, I could say in, like, middle school, high school, always been, like, a good kid for the most part, good grades and stuff like that. Um, got caught up in, like, the wrong crowd, but it was nothing, like, really crazy. Like, none of that, you know, led me to anything crazy. But always kind of had a good tip on my shoulder knowing that I wanted more in life. I wanted to do more. And watching TV and seeing, like, entertainers and stuff, I, like, I want to be wealthy. I want to be like that, you know. So stuff like that has always been inspirational to me. Um, and and I used to play basketball, like, since elementary school. So I was really, like, basketball player for the most part. I was bowler's life. That was, like, really me <laughs> for real. Like, that was it. So what I do right now, I never kind of envisioned for myself. Like, I knew I wanted to do something inspirational, but I never knew what it was. So I just thought, you know, Basketball was gonna be my thing, you know, go to college, play basketball. But then I got to high school. And then when I got to high school, um, I went in with credits. So because I went in with credits, I ha had the pleasure of graduating early. So when I got the news that I could graduate early, I was already cool with all the, you know, seniors at that time. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get out of here and graduate because if not, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. So just, you know, make a smarter decision. So I left and I came to high school, I mean, came to college at 16 and now I'm here, <laughs> now I'm here. Yeah, so I think like the pandemic really kind of like paved the way for a lot of things that I do now and stuff like that, but um, yeah. So when did you decide that you wanted to get in financial literacy? Um, it was during the pandemic. I feel like um, I, saw, I saw a shift in how things were, you know, operating in society. I saw how like, during the pandemic, there was a transfer of wealth to one race, but then my race and other races, it was almost like a, um, we were deteriorating, not deteriorating is not the word, but we were going somewhere else. Like we were dependent on the government, right? We had people who were waiting for unemployment and all that stuff. And I'm just like, why are we depending on that? But there's other races who are excelling during these times. So that's when I started shifting the information that I was listening to and the stuff that I was reading. And I started reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Think and Grow Rich. I started listening to podcasts. And then that's when I was like, wow, financial literacy is a thing. Like, they're learning this. They're learning this information and actually applying it. And then that's why they're doing certain things. And I said, we don't have this information. 
In schools, we're not learning financial literacy. In schools, we're not learning about the things that are necessary for us to actually go in the, in the world and do something with ourselves. We just learn how to become the next employee, work a nine to five, and just be normal and no, mediocre, right? So once I started shifting the information I was listening to, my conversa conversation started shifting as well. And yeah. So you were talking about how uh, the, like, the racial wealth gap and like how um, people, white people, obviously, have a better chance of getting certain things like money, mm -hmm. opportunities, things like that. Um, is there anything you think that black people could do to better close that racial wealth gap? Or you think it's out of our hands? I think there's a lot that we can do. One, I feel like um, the first thing is to notice that there is an issue, I think, you know. Um, a lot of times we're so focused on going through the day, we're so focused trying to survive, we're so focused just trying to do the next thing that we're not realizing that like, am I supposed to be in survival mode all the time? Am I supposed to always trying to be figuring out like my next thing to do? Am I supposed to always trying to be figuring out, you know, where I'm gonna get money from, how I'm gonna do this, how I'm gonna do that? Why can't I deserve to live comfortably? So I think once us as a race realize that there is, you know, things that need to be done, we can progress. And then next, go get help. I think a lot of the times we try to, you know, do everything on our own, right? right? There's mentors, there's people out there. The shortest, the, the only um, cheat to success is having a mentor. That's the only kind of way that you could cut down a bit of your time that it takes to actually be successful. Um, and I think that once we get a mentor, that's the next step, we actually apply the work that we're learning, right? So I, so I realize that it's a problem. I um, get a mentor and then I actually apply the work that I'm learning. And I think that's how we work together. And then also chill out with the crab in the barrel mindset, thinking that like, if I got something, I got to keep it to myself. Or if I have something, I can't share with anybody, right? If I have information, as soon as I started learning about financial literacy, first thing I went and did was go and tell the people that I was closest to or go tell the people that uh, I care about. Because if I have something, why shouldn't I share it with other people? I think that's like, you know, the best things that we could kind of do for right now and just work together as a unit. Okay. So being that Financial Revolution is an organization that provides financial literacy, education, and community service to low-income communities in order to help them build wealth, that seems like it took a lot of work. So how hard was it getting something like that up and running? Um, honestly, it, it didn't seem, I mean, there, it is hard. It's not, not that it's hard, not hard. But when you're passionate about something, it's just, it kind of flows, right? When I'm working on financial revolution or if I'm teaching financial literacy, it doesn't really seem like work. You know, most of the challenging things for real that I go through is just really seeing, really thinking about how am I going to get people receptive to information that they've never been introduced to. That's like really like the, the hardest part. But other than that, when I'm actually doing it, I love it. So it's not, you know, it's not hard. I think the hardest part was actually just getting started and and telling myself that I can do it and I will do it. Um, that's usually the hardest part, you know. So, so um, you see nowadays people are so into cryptocurrency, NFTs, uh, trading. I think uh, like last year there was a big thing where people were, uh, they were trying to like buy stocks of GameStop, AMC, because it was going down. They were trying to bet big on it that it was, they could make it you know, mm -hmm. up and alive again. Um, what are your thoughts on like cryptocurrency, things like that? Do you believe in that stuff? Do you preach that stuff? No, I think all of it is, is good. I think that the problem is a lot of people don't do research. You know, so we see things on social media and or we hear things from our friend, but we don't go do our own personal research. 
right? So when you're just going based off of trends, the media is always going to push things that's happening now, right? If it was going on social media, that means that the that a long time ago you should have been invested in it, right? If it's like popping right now, like that's that's what we call meme stocks, right? So when we see like GameStop and we see AMC, those were all meme stocks. Those are all things that are going to be on the news, going to be on social media because that's what they want us to invest in. That's what they think. That's what they want us to feel like, oh, I got to get my hands on that because everybody's talking about it. When people aren't talking about something, when people are scared to invest, when people are running away from something, that's when you got to put your hands on it. Not when everybody's around it. It's almost like, for example, if you want to take like a girl, for example, right? <laughs> that's crazy example, but... It's like, if everybody on that girl, you're going to have some people who want to get her, and you're going to have some people who like, nah, I don't want that. I'm going to go for somebody else that people like people not going crazy for, but still a gem. You know what I'm saying? But that's by you doing your own research, not, not just focusing on what social media is always telling you. And even when I post financial content, I never tell people what to invest in, like ever, right? Because I'm learning just like other people. That's one. And then two is like, I want you to do your own research. If I just go tell you what to invest in and it doesn't go as planned, you're going to be mad at me, right? So you should always do your own research, even if your financial advisor is telling you to do something. I can tell you a story how when I was 18, I went to a financial advisor and I told him, like, you know, I would have $3,000 and I want to put this much in it. And by the time I'm 28, I want to have a couple of hundred thousand and I wanted to use it to invest in whatever I want to invest in at that time. When I tell you he put my money into some low-risk mutual funds, why do they do that? Because one, they're told to do that because it's a job at the end of the day, right? And then second, because to, to us, it will look like we're not losing money. But I'm not really making much money either, right. you know what I'm saying? Versus me using my own knowledge, I can go invest in a couple of stocks and make a whole bunch of money on my own. So it's just like even when you have a financial advisor or you have somebody who you feel like you trust, Still do your own research, your due diligence. While you're having somebody else teach you about investing, make sure you're going back to the drawing board and, and saying, okay, I got to do this on my own, stuff like that. So what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when it comes to entrepreneurship? That's a great question. So I think it's a couple of mistakes, but the number one mistake I feel like is one, not believing that they can be an entrepreneur. You know, you have different types of entrepreneurs. You have some who are first-generation entrepreneurs, or you have some who are second-generation entrepreneurs. So me, personally, I'm a second-generation entrepreneur. So all of my parents' mistakes, right, I kind of could learn from them and do my own thing with it and take some of the gems that they give me. But then for first-generation entrepreneurs, it's that mindset of thinking, like, yo, my mom or my dad has always been a worker, but I'm trying to do something different, but it's completely out of my comfort zone of what I know. Because right. all I've sold was my mom go or my dad always go clock in. So for first generation entrepreneurs or just some people in general, just that confidence of knowing that like you can do it. And even if you make a mistake, that doesn't mean you fail. Failing is when you quit and you never start again. Right? So I, and then also the consistency part. You know, people start businesses but don't keep going with their businesses because of whatever happens or then not having the passion behind it or whatever, right? So it's just like, one, knowing that you can start, and then once you start, stay consistent, right? They say that some people quit in a week, some people quit in 30 days, some people quit in 60 days, some people quit in 90, some people quit in a year. And then once I heard that, I was like, I don't want to quit at all. 
right? So each time I wake up and I'm active with my business or I make a year, I make two years, it's important to me because I understand how people are often quitting their businesses. And, and when you quit a business, you're letting somebody else who was actually using your business um, as, a, as a leverage or helping them with something, you're quitting on them too. So you got to understand, like, you can start your business, be passionate about it, you know, even when things are not going, like, I tell you, right, like, right now, like, I feel like Instagram playing with my likes, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, the algorithm is wilding right now, but it's like, do I still not post? Right. Do I still not, you know, do things for my business, right? So it's just like, even when things aren't going the way that you don't want it to go, you still got to show up because your business is like your baby, right? If your baby's being bad, you're still not going to feed them, right? So it's just like, you got to stand there. I remember like last year, um, you were doing that little giveaway with the financial planners. I actually won one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've used it here and there, mm-hmm. uh, not as much as I need to. <laughs> there are times where I just, you know, I mm-hmm. do some erratic spending. I need to get better at that. So I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to lock in. I'm going to lock mm-hmm. in. But um, like, what do you think, like, how important is a financial planner, do you believe? Yeah, I think, honestly speaking, I feel like I made the planner for people who, are, who it works for, if that makes sense. Right? So, like, for the planner, I put different things in it. Like some people want, I, for example, like the way the planner is, is, is built is a 12 month uh, financial budget template in there. So that comes with, you know, knowing your expenses and bud- your monthly budget. It comes with the 10 um, commandments of building wealth. It comes with um, monthly affirmations. It comes with, you know, just journaling notes, right? Some people going to use everything. Some people like the affirmations, they need that monthly affirmations. Some people who, when they need to know the 10 wealth commandments to go back to that, I think like I use it, I created it for people to use it in different ways, right? And I think like having a, a planner is definitely great, but some people aren't, that's not they bob, right? I would keep y'all buck with y'all, I don't use my planner. I started off it, I started off using it, it worked, it was cool, right? But after a while, I was like, okay, I, I, learned, I know how to do this, I need a different structure, right? So as you grow, you're gonna learn like, all right, this works for me, but now I'm here. I need something else. You know what I'm saying? So it's different stages to you, you know, building wealth. It's this is different stages to you becoming financially literate. It's different stages to you budgeting. It's different stages to you planning a day, right? So it's all about what works for you, where you are right now, and being consistent with it, right? A lot of people don't see results in things because they lack the consistency. We think like, it's almost like going to the gym. Like we feel like I went to the gym today. I should have lost weight, right? <laughs> or I feel like I went to the gym this whole week. I should have lost five pounds this week, right? So it's not until 30 days, 60 days, you're going to start seeing those results of the work that you've been putting in since day one. So I think, like, having a plan is important, but if it doesn't work for you, don't feel like you're not doing things right because that's what you see so-and-so doing, right? Find what works for you, be consistent with that, and just run, run with it. So do you have any other businesses or ideas to help tackle financial literacy? I do. I have so many. I think about too many. <laughs> I think, I think uh, one, it needs to be a curriculum in every single school system, like public, private, charter, everything, college. It needs to be uh, actual, like the same way from pre-K, they teaching us different things when it comes to numbers or ABCs. That needs to be the same curriculum that we have in terms of financial literacy and emotional intelligence and um, what's, the, what's the third one? Financial literacy, emotional intelligence, emotional intelligence, and personal enrichment. I think 
all three of those things kind of work together because if I'm financially literate, but I'm emotional, I have an emotional attachment towards money, it's going to affect me, affect me there, mm-hmm. right? If I lack confidence, I'm going to lack confidence in the way that I spend money, right? So I think like a lot of people forget that it's not just about financial literacy, right? It's a, it's a, it, it all works together, right? So if they're not teaching us the top things that we need to actually function in society, we're not going to progress in the way that we can, you know what I'm saying? And it can't be like, I go to this private school and I gotta pay $50,000 a year to get in, get there to get that education. It has to be, I go to a public school, I go to a charter school and I get the same education, right? So I think that that's one way. Two, relatability, right? You can't force something that I've never been introduced to upon me, right? If you force it to me, I'm gonna feel like that's something that I need to run away from. I'm gonna feel like that's something that I don't wanna hear, I don't wanna listen to, because if I never learned about how, if I never learned about investing or stocks, but I always been told, go buy those sneakers, go do that. When you tell me about stocks, I'm gonna be like, the heck are you talking about? Some people gonna find it interesting, interesting, but other people gonna be like, what are you talking about? Then you have some people who find stocks and investing and all that interesting, they wanna build wealth, but then it's the how-to piece, right? It's like, okay, I wanna do it, but is it really possible? You know why people watch movies and TV and stuff like that? Because they see a part of themselves and other people in that movie, right? The purpose of a movie is to move you, right? That was bar. <laughs> that was bar. But yeah, the purpose of a movie is to move you, right? So it's just like, and, and, and part of me watching that, I'm watching that because I want to get inspired. But then it's just like, when I go back, do I really feel like it's possible for me? People listen to motivational speakers. We listen to inspirational people. People love uh, Oprah. People love Beyonce. People love all these people, but it's just like it happened for them. But can I, can it really happen for me? Right? That's how people are thinking. So it's just like if that's how people are thinking, we need to get them confident enough to understand that it can happen for them. So going back to when you were just speaking on um, like generational wealth and stuff. So that's funny you mentioned like there should be like a curriculum for that stuff like in schools like I mean, me and Destiny both from Virginia but we grew up in the same town mm-hmm. so um, our school I don't know about New York but our schools require that everyone takes a uh, what was that class called uh, econ finance class mm-hmm. everyone has to take it to graduate yeah, but it's yeah, yeah. but it's only one year and it's it's really not really diving deep it's like little modules doing a computer and stuff like that and you know I was reading something about how like they intentionally um, in like inner cities, urban communities, black, mm. um, they really don't teach them things like that. You know, there was a time when um, every high school in like the 90s, 80s, 70s had like tech ed classes, construction mm. classes, so that black men can go on and black women too can go on and get into uh, a trade mm-hmm. and get money, welding, um, plumbing, electrician, stuff like that. Once they took that stuff out, that's when all the jobs went away, all the extra avenues for people to get more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically my question to you is, do you feel like in a way they don't teach those classes in order to hold some people back, as in black people or people of color in general? Of course, just like the history you said, right? So I was reading about that too. I don't know the exact date, but basically what happened, right? There was like, it was like the three big people who kind of ran the U.S. for real. It was, it was Andrew Carnegie uh, and Rockefeller. Rock, Rockefeller, and it was one of the person, I forgot his name, right? So what happened was they needed people. So it was a whole bunch of people who was just kind of sitting around, right? And they was like, I, we need these people to come work for our businesses. Mm-hmm. 
So what they did was they created these schools and now the schools, they changed. The purpose of the schools changed. The purpose of the school was to go learn how to work for them. It wasn't to go learn how to, you know, create a structure, like you said, how to become a plumber, how to become things for you as an individual to excel. It was for to go help that business make money, go be profitable for that business. Like, I forgot the date, but even like college, right? College and high school, it, w- it used to only be um, elementary and um, middle school. Mm-hmm. After that, you was going into your trade. Mm-hmm. College, and high- college and high school is not too long ago that it was actually structured and built. In a way that it is built, you can see how it's a system. Excuse me, even at graduations, right? They tell you all the time at graduations, you guys are the future lawyers, doctors, uh, whatever. But all employees, never the next business owners, mm-hmm. never the next entrepreneurs. So it's the things that they force in upon you, right? Even when they tell you, like, oh, what are you going to college for, right? They tell you, oh, go to college to learn a skill or to learn about something that's going to go get you a good job. It's never go to college to maybe network so that if you want to build a business, you can meet all these different people. It Like, the, the structure and the mindset is not even built for us to go excel on our own. It's always to go help somebody else make more money, right? right? When if we have people, if we're... If we have people working for other people, why can't we work together and build something for ourselves? And if I know that you're good at podcasting, I know that you're good with lighting and stuff, and I have a media company, why can't we work together? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But that's not what they're teaching us, right? But it's our job to see that's the problem and for us to spread that information to wake people up to understand that, like, working for my company, we can relate. You look like me. You know what I'm saying? So I'll know that these are different things I need to have in my job. I'll know that at, at, at my office or whatever. I'll know the things that I need for my employees because we look like each other. We come from the same background versus you go work for somebody who no relatability. You're going to wonder why you're suffering at that job or why you don't like it because there's no relatability there. They don't have things for you there. But then now what they're doing, they understand that we're starting to learn the stuff. We're starting to learn the hacks. We're starting to learn their tricks. Right. So now what do they do? Oh, uh, inclusive, inclusivity, diversity, that's all coming to the job field now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because we're we waking up. So now it's like they're going to make things a little more sweeter for us to want to still come, right, to have that, that protection. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to work. You know what I'm saying? You work, you do what you got to do, but don't understand that just because you, you work or you're an employee or you work for somebody else doesn't mean that you can't build wealth. Don't let the paycheck be something to... To, to, that you become addicted to, to where you feel like the paycheck is my only source of income and that's the only thing I need. Uh, I believe you have a new show coming out to speak on certain things like that. You mind speaking on that a little bit? Yes. So my new show is called The Young and Dumb Show. And basically with the show, it's um, it's a podcast um, and it's also going to be like out on YouTube and stuff like that. And it's where I sit down and I interview different entrepreneurs and I talk about you know what they actually do and like just basically how they built the business up and how we can do it right because a lot of times you know especially you know in our generation like generation z we're hungry right we want to know how to make the money we want to know how to do it and stuff like that but it's nobody that's really telling us like step by step how to do it so in my show you're learning step by step how to build certain businesses how to you know build certain platforms and how to get things rolling and shaking because for our generation as new people who are coming into the world, right? And then also understanding that, you know, there's different ways that we can let things play out. And in the show, 
I try to be as open and ask questions that most people don't want to ask, right? So how much you get paid, right? <laughs> you know, uh, how much do I need to start this business? How much, do, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all the questions that we need and, and the things that be in our back of our mind that we scared to ask, those are the questions that I'm talking about and asking on the show. So it's called The Young and Dumb Show. It's, out, it's going to be out on YouTube, on my YouTube page, Financial Revolution Network. And it's going to come out real soon. And it's going to be super lit. You know, I have a lot of different episodes um, interviewing, you know, entrepreneurs who look like us, right. who, are, who are our age but built businesses. I have somebody who's 23, and she has her own hair salon with a whole bunch of people working in it. And it's a luxury hair salon. Um, I have somebody at 19. They was writing... Um, uh, Chris Brown choreography for his shows and stuff like that. So it's just different people doing different things. We have people who they also work and they're entrepreneurs. We have some people who actually do just work. You know what I'm saying? So it's different people so that the relatability piece, somebody, everybody's going to have somebody that they can relate to on the show. That's the goal. Our last quick little question before I wrap this up. Um, you invested in real estate at all? No, but my goal is to have a real estate property by the time. But uh, after I graduate, yeah, that's the goal. Well, okay, that's pretty much all we have to uh, ask you today, Leah. We thank you so much for coming out. Um, watch our first show. What's the name of your show again? Young and Dumb Show. Young and Dumb Show. Okay, mm-hmm. do you know when that might be coming out or? Uh, very soon. Very right? soon. Very soon. Okay. I give y'all. I give y'all either before homecoming or right by homecoming. I'm, I'm thinking about it because it's like homecoming. You know, everybody gonna be off yeah, their heads. Off, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, so so probably um, after homecoming, um, in the first episode, I'll give you this. The first episode is going to be by um, actually an 18 year old who dropped out of college to go pursue her business, mm. um, and now she's making bank in her business, um, and she just leveling it up and leveling up, um, and she still has more growing to do, but uh, she does hair. And I thought that would be a great first episode because it relates to a lot of women lot who of women. do hair. Especially do on college campuses. And stuff like that. And the show, the show get mixy, so the men got to tune in too, right? She <laughs> talks about, you know, how, you know, as an entrepreneur, somebody who has a service-based business, mm-hmm. how, you know, you can, it can be hard, you know, dating and stuff like that right. and different ways to cater to a woman who is an entrepreneur and runs a service-based business. Mm-hmm. So tune in, y'all. Okay. That's what's up. All right. Thank you for coming. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all.